Hello, thank you for joining me. This is the Panhandle Primate Podcast. I am your host, Dexter Curley, and um, today's guest is uh, Coben Puckett. He's an inspiring individual. He has an amazing story. Um, he has an amazing sense of humor. He's work eth- his work he's his work ethic is uh, inspiring and. I hope that his story inspires you as much as it inspired me. Uh, it was very humbling sitting with him and um, hearing hearing somebody as as you will hear in the in the uh, episode, somebody who has gone through uh, as many trials and has been faced with as many obstacles as he has for him to still remain uh, humorous, uh, light hearted, and um, I mean, just he's an inspiring individual. You'll see. You'll uh, you'll understand after listening to this episode, uh, which I'm going to get to pretty quick. A uh, couple of quick updates. Uh, this, as you might notice, uh, especially if you look at the date, the time stamps on these podcasts, they're coming out a little bit more frequently. Um, I got to sit down with Keegan earlier this week, and now I'm sitting down. Well, I guess that was last week. I guess it was about a week ago. Um, and I'm sitting down, I got to sit down with Coben today, so I'm getting a little bit more regular, uh, a little bit more consistent, which is going to be nice. Um, I'm hoping, uh, one of the things I've realized is uh, the more consistent you are with something, the easier it becomes, the more you can get into a rhythm, uh, and I think podcasting is the exact same, Talking, speaking into a mic is different than speaking to a person. And then also interviewing a person is different than having a conversation with somebody. Um, typically, in a conversation, uh, especially if you've if you've experienced a conversation with me, you never really know which direction it's going to go. And there's a lot of times when it doesn't end up being uh, productive necessarily. So I'm trying to learn how to how to go from a conversationalist. Um, and a, possibly a rude conversationalist at that. I'm I'm learning a lot through uh, analyzing myself, uh, re-listening back to myself, and also my wife is helping me a lot with uh, just coming to some realizations about myself. Um, but I'm I'm trying to be to transition from a conversationalist uh, into more of an interviewer role for uh, my podcasts, just mostly because. Um, I want to really try to highlight my guest better. Uh, I it is a craft; it's an art. Being a good interviewer, and it's something I have zero training in. So I'm kind of uh, improvising and and just going at it. But uh, luckily, I've had really great guests so far, and that can carry a bad interviewer just so far. You know, uh, inter- interesting people always make listening experiences better. So uh, some quick updates. Um, finally, we're pretty much settled into the house. Um, we're about to start on some some projects, but that's just normal life. Um, as far as the move has gone, we've actually settled in. We've gotten everything moved in. The pace of life has slowed down a little bit. Um, it seems like we're getting into a rhythm. So I think podcasting... Uh, will be a little bit more, uh, I'll be able to do it a little bit more often, be able to hopefully 
schedule some more guests and also I'm planning on doing a few rambles uh, in the near future I've been working on some so um, hopefully I have a lot of content coming your ways uh, speaking of content I have uh, some new cover art in uh, what would you call it the uh, the oven um, there's a uh, local well I don't know I don't really know it's local in the panhandle but uh, there's a a woman named uh, Brittany Bush, and I, that's the other thing. I feel funny saying woman. Um, I feel like now that I'm older, I'm not allowed to say chick or person, you know, or like girl. I I almost feel like I need to say woman, like it make it a little bit more. Um, uh, what is the word formal? But anyway. She's on Instagram. You can check her out. She does these real cool watercolor paintings. Um, Wilson Lemieux. I believe that's his first name is Wilson. But anyway, I follow him on Instagram. He, um, Him and Gunnar Wadowski, a former uh, podcast guest, uh, work together. Anyway, I just one day happened to hop on Instagram and he had a little live story going and she was doing some uh watercolor she was doing some painting and ask uh, answering some questions and different stuff so um it was kind of fun like one whenever i was seeing it i was watching i was like damn that would be perfect for my cover art because i've been looking for something um the cover art i have right now is just a picture of me with some sunglasses on i've always thought it was kind of lame but i was just you know, kind of attacking the project, and so I just went in the backyard, wife snapped a picture, put it up. But uh, I'm really excited uh, to see what she comes up with. She's working on it now, and uh, so hopefully by next, maybe next podcast, I'll have some new cover art from her. But check her out on uh, on Instagram. Uh, she has she's been doing these like uh, watercolor, like she'll. Uh, I don't know if I guess most of them have been live, but um, she does some watercolor and she also has just pictures on her uh, Instagram. So anyway, uh, pretty soon she'll be. Uh, I'll have a I'll have a new cover art. Um, also, the YouTube video. I haven't really had a chance uh, to mess with with my YouTube channel or doing video editing uh, still pretty busy and it's impossible to work with a two-year-old especially a two-year-old as spoiled as the one we have he um he's an only child and he's our you know first child uh obviously so he's used to getting a lot of attention so anytime you sit down and try to focus on something other than him oh magically he needs you he need he has something for you to do so I haven't had a whole lot of time at home uh, where it's just been me. You know, it's either uh, me and my wife, and then in those times, I'm wanting to hang out with her. So, I, long story short, I haven't gotten that edited together yet, but that will that will be coming soon. Uh, today's episode, I didn't have a chance to record it. I just don't. I'm not set up for it. I kind of. I feel like I maybe preemptively launched that idea, um, but. Regardless, that is coming. That is in the future. Hopefully, I'll have a YouTube channel where you can watch some of these interviews or at least see what we look like while we're while we're doing the interview. Um, all, and real quick, before I get into this episode, I would like to thank our sponsors, Atlas Supplement Company. 
Um, they have the two products, uh, Conviction and Resolve. Uh, Conviction is the pre-workout, and Resolve is their branch-chain amino acids. Um, they have those two products. Um, they are away from proprietary blends. That's like they... That was James, the owner, creator of the company. That was like the main thing he wanted to get away from. He wanted something to where he wanted to provide a pro, uh, uh, he wanted to provide a product to uh, the consumer that it, or in which they knew everything that was in the product. So you don't have like I, proprietary blends for people who aren't up on the lingo i'm not super up on the lingo myself but um evidently these supplement companies they'll just put they'll they'll put a bunch of stuff in a blend and then put the blend into the pre-workout so you don't actually know the exact amounts of what you're consuming because on the nutrition label all they have to do is put proprietary blend so um anyway that's one thing that's great about about um both of his products. I mean, you know everything that's in them. Um, also, one dollar of every sale goes to the uh, nonprofit First Rung. They um, are really focusing on firefighters' mental health, uh, firefighters, and I believe first responders. I think it's you know, um, but you know, give them, give them a check them out. You know, go to their website. It's nextrung.org. Um, atlassupplementcompany.com if you enter in the promo code panhandleprimate you will get 10% off of any order with Atlas Supplement Company also they have some dope apparel uh, really cool t-shirts they got some dope hats and everything so definitely check them out Um, I'll have a link in the description of this Um, also uh, I'll have some links to Coben Coben Puckett uh, today's guest he puts on a rodeo once a year. Uh, this year it is August fourth, two thousand eighteen. I believe he said that the pre-sale tickets are seventeen dollars, and then at the door they're twenty dollars. But um, it just goes it goes to a great cause. And uh, without further ado, here is Coben Puckett. Thanks for listening. Hello, I am here with Coben Puckett. Uh, this is the Panel Primate Podcast. I'm your host, Dexter Kearley. Um, Coben. Um, Thank you, Dexter, you for having up? me on. Yeah. How have yeah. you been today? I've been good. I've been good. Um, I've been wanting to have you on for a very long time. Um, I've kind of shared this on the podcast before, but part of the reason that I was wanting to do this whole project was I would come across people all the time that were interesting people. And I always thought, man, they'd be perfect for a podcast. Um, have you ever been on a podcast before? This is my first podcast. Yeah. See, and to me, that's that's kind of like surprising. It's very surprising to me that it's your first podcast because they're so easy, readily available. I figured somebody would have already interviewed you by now. Right. Just with all the stuff you're doing. But... Um, so I guess to uh, to start to start off, if you just want to give like a quick like summary of who you are. Yeah, um, 
I was born and raised in New Mexico. And what part of New Mexico? <laughs> Clayton, New Mexico, Clayton. we'll say. My and last guest uh, was from New Mexico. Cool. Uh, Texaco, I think. Or, oh, yeah. Yeah. So, but Go ahead. I'm sorry. <laughs> no, that Texaco is down by Clovis, so not yeah. too far. Um, grew up in a rodeo family. Dad went to PRCAs, that's Professional Rodeo Cowboy Association. So did my mom. And dad was a bull rider, mom a bell racer. And that's just been in my blood. It's what I knew growing up. I've always been fascinated with the sport of rodeo, specifically bull riding. And that's pretty much where I so, like, we're talking, wanted to go and we're, do since I was little. Like right off the bat. Like you're start talking, you're three, four years old, and there's, you're saying, I want to be a bull rider. Yeah, uh, my parents tell me, the first couple words I said was bobble, which meant bucking bull. Ah. So that's, it's, I don't know. I went through maybe a little time in grade school. I didn't give it any thought and just did school stuff, played basketball, baseball. But um, once I got about 10 years old, that was my focus from then till uh, my professional career. Went up through junior rodeo associations, high school rodeo here in Texas competitions tougher over here so had you moved like when when did you make the move from new mexico to texas or was this all still in new mexico uh, my parents moved to canyon texas in 2007 that's the year oh, i graduated that's the year i graduated and so i just hit the road oh, okay. for my professional career and then moved back in here with them uh after a life-changing situation happened yeah so, were you writing for a college, or were you like, were you going to school at that time? At the time that I was injured, yeah. I had just started school at Ranger College for two weeks. Okay, okay. So, were you on scholarship there? Oh yeah, yeah. Um, I I work with a guy who was a bronc rider, and I think he went to Clarendon College on it, you know, and talked about uh, rodeo, and and it seems like that's kind of the step, you know, you go. From high school, you kind of get on, it sounds like you get on a college circuit, essentially, where y'all are riding, they're not college tournaments, right? They're just normal rodeos, but y'all are going and entering them as college students. You can make what's the collegiate finals and so forth. Um, For me personally, uh, I had an interest in going to school, getting a degree, but I wasn't going because of rodeo. uh, The purpose of just being on the rodeo team was that I could get a full ride scholarship and i was gonna participate go to their rodeos but it was actually not much of interest to me my interest was pursuing pbr professional bull riders i did not go to college right away i took a year break and uh yeah i went we'll back up just a little to say when i was high school rodeoing i also entered open rodeos that's competing against adults Mm. and by the time i was 16 years old i was winning thousands of dollars at events and competing against adults so when i turned 18 i jumped right in with some pros that were had already been going about 10 years older than me and you know traveled the first summer you know barely 18 years old everywhere from up and down the east coast new york virginia to out to oregon and washington and then you know of course texas events but many places in between just as an 18-year-old kid. So, okay, so I met you probably, what, 2008? Yes. Yeah, is that when you first went to Central? 
Yes. And I had no clue. Like, I knew you were a bull rider, and I knew you were, like, a cowboy. But you, know? you didn't know where but I, I didn't, was going? No, well, I didn't, I didn't, I, I didn't know that you were, uh, like, doing it. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, there's, like, different levels of particip- – like, for Correct. me, like, I participated in rock climbing. I'm not doing it. I'm not really going anywhere with it. It's not like I'm on a circuit or getting paid making money. You know, I didn't know that – I didn't know that when you were – right out of high school that you had already been making money at it and yes. already competing at the the highest level i mean wouldn't you say is that the highest level when i turned 18 yes so those are the the in and, and the bulls are kind of on the same circuit right like you would you get on the same bull occasionally like had you ridden the same bull yes you could get on some of the same bulls uh, that are going at that uh professional level yeah okay so so what you could say is what it's called is the touring pros now. Let's say they're comparable to your D League. And what's unique about professional bull riders is during the summer, um, their big tour, which is the top 35 guys in the world, takes a break from May to August. Those guys go and enter and compete at the touring pros. Oh. So it's not only the top 35 guys, it's your you know bottom 60 that are getting to go to that trying to earn enough points to get on the tour or make it to vegas Mm. so you're competing against everyone in the summertime and did i have the success that i wanted when i first turned 18 absolutely not um i was a little nervous it was some growing pains that's a big step up right into there yeah but i was doing well enough you're getting on a, on a crazy animal that its entire point is trying to get you off of its oh. back. Oh, I mean, yeah. yeah, and and we're talking. I I don't know. There, I think there's a lot of people who haven't stood up next or close to a actual bull, like a and the bulls that y'all are that bull riders are getting on are not normal bulls. They're like <laughs> super, like super animal bulls you know like they're huge i mean just monsters and they it's like they go to the gym they're like got muscles popping oh muscles popping everywhere (laughs) they're just powerful animals you know so it's not it's not like okay not only are you bumping up to like a professional level to compete you're also getting on like a animal that is is way ridiculous like way stronger way more powerful uh that's one question i was going to ask you um my friend that I work with was trying to explain to me how to score, and he was, you know, we watch. Uh, a lot of the guys I work with are they're related to rodeo, and I mean it's Amarillo, Texas, so a lot of them grew up with cousins that are doing well. And like I said, my buddy West was a pretty good bon- uh, bronc rider back in his day. But so he's like trying to tell me how you're scoring points, what the cowboy's trying to do to stay on the bull, and he's explaining to me. Uh, to to an amateur eye, it just looks like the bull's going crazy, and you're just ragdolling up there. You know, like that's kind of what it looks like. Um, so, how much? My question is, how much is the bull doing its thing versus the cowboy? Just is the cowboy just hanging on, or is he actually making the bull do something? The cowboy cannot make the bull do anything. He's no. just hanging on. No, and uh, yeah, it's a lot of people that are unfamiliar with it think that it's you know an animal just going crazy and mad and a guy just hanging on for dear life Eh, i mean 
it's a game as much for that bull as it is it's, for the the animals like it they actually have patterns bulls you can kind of know how a bull's gonna buck if he's been around a while he's kind of got his thing what he likes to do can you always predict it no they're unpredictable yeah uh absolutely otherwise it wouldn't be a sport it wouldn't be and the guys setting up there and my job as a bull rider is honestly to make it as absolutely easy as possible and your counter balancing everything the bull does you're not hanging on unless you get out of shape and you have to pull yourself up into position mm. so the smoother i can make it look the better i did in my job so my job is to basically float atop of the bull and let him do everything underneath me and try to make it look easy and that's what scores the points right like the the athleticism of the bull the athleticism of the bull is going to set the first score they're going to mark the bull one to 50 points the rider one to 50 whatever your bull is you can only be a little better than your bull so they play a big role into it that's why when you go to a professional event every bull you get on at that event is giving you a shot to win otherwise are you gonna buck mm-hmm. off yeah so that's that's kind of interesting that's an interesting like uh aspect of the sport where you're you're literally hoping to get the hardest bull or the most athletic bull because that puts your score higher so if you don't have the most athletic bull which also makes it harder to ride you know that's kind of an interesting like i always think whenever i was going into like wrestling tournaments in high school uh if i like got in and it was like a name like i knew somebody's name and i had to wrestle in first round and i knew that they were like super hard or something i was like you know damn ah you know it's gonna it's gonna make my job harder you know but for a bull rider it's the opposite you're like no i want the best bull i want the hardest bull right out of the gate that way i can match it and if you're wanting to win get a good score yeah of course you gotta you gotta want to win right yes so that's cool um all right so anything else you want to cover on that oh we'll jump to the next summer when i was 19 okay to finish this off before you move on yep is uh kind of took a little break through the winter I had a injury, and then by the time I got started in 2008, this would be when I was that winter, probably around you quite a bit in mm-hmm. 2008. And then when I hit the road that summer, uh, I won. You know, other than just placing at events, I finally won my first touring pro event, and that was in Huntsville, Alabama, oh. and it paid $4,500 to win it. That was like, you know, yeah. I want to do this again. Yeah. You get a taste of winning, you want to do it again. By the end of that summer, I had won four touring pro events through the summer break. I'd been over 90 points four times. And, yeah, I was well on my way to making the cut of the top 35 guys that was coming up that fall. And they were, you know, talking about me at events and would even pull me aside. They'd use at touring pros here tops couple guys there or your hot guys and save them for last on the introduction and they were pulling me back and saving me for the introduction saying that i was you know the hot young gun coming up yeah and i didn't mind at all of course i kind of like that i fueled off of it a little bit yeah and i wanted and had the taste of getting on tour so bad i was entering everything possible and trying to get there because i just lacked a little bit i got to mesquite texas in September 
and through kind of what you'd call a Hail Mary on a bull so I got out of shape and was not dominating the bull and was hanging on on the side and trying to get chunked back up to center my hand came out on my rope and I landed on my head and neck snapped but uh, I knew it instantly it kind of felt weird I was conscious through it all bull stepped on me broke ribs punctured lung broke back all on top of a C5-6 vertebrae break and spinal cord injury and by the time I rolled into the ambulance I kind of lost consciousness and by the time I woke up I don't know three four weeks later I'd been in Baylor ICU for three weeks do you intubated. say three or four weeks later yeah you woke up for me so you were being out able to, to know four. what was going on yes oh my gosh I was intubated on a ventilator in BSA and I don't know what you know was going on so they in that time uh mesquite texas were you airlifted anywhere right then or was it ambulance to a ambulance hospital drive to hospital Baylor yeah. right there wow in dallas oh, okay okay yeah mesquite to baylor okay yeah dang oh so a drastic change to life to uh direction to what you think your purpose is yeah um you know, spend your whole life focusing on that's what you're going to do, what you want to be, and the, your world gets rocked for sure. Well, and not, you know, on top of that, you're a 19-year-old kid. Right. I mean, with, I mean, who, as a 19-year-old kid, you know, you're kind of just hanging on by the seat of your pants anyway, you know? Like, life is just pulling you in directions. Right. Um, and that was a very distinct uh, incident, you know, to where you can say specifically this day, my life took a different, took it, took a different turn, took a different path. That's pretty wild, man. So what was that? You said you were out for about three weeks. You came to, um, what, what was the next process? Were you in the hospital for quite another a while? month of step down ICU and then a month of, uh, rehab in Baylor. And by the time they sent me home, um, there was a PT physical therapist pulled my dad aside and he said, you need to get that boy to face reality. This is all he's ever going to have. And if you, to paint a picture of what I looked like coming out of there, I couldn't even get my left hand up to my mouth to feed myself. They had to get assist lifting my left hand up to my mouth. Right arm didn't move at all. Heads on a headrest. Couldn't lean my head or neck up off the headrest. And I came home and pretty much was doing good to get out of bed three four hours a day so and by getting out of bed you're just getting in the chair and they're they're taking you around and doing stuff like well kind of you want to get real oh, getting, just going yeah going to the bathroom i guess and yeah getting showering, a shower and, yeah yeah and eating a meal and trying to get in just a little pt and ot work and yeah that's about all I could do. We'll see. And, and like, even on, on like top of that, even if you took the neck injury out of the equation, I mean, punctured lung, broken ribs, broken back, stomp, I mean, that in itself would take a long time to come back from, you know, just that injury. Oh, yeah. And then on top of that, having the neck. And so the, it was it a, like a compression fracture of the neck with like, you don't know, just kind of broke it basically. <laughs> 
Shoot, I don't have that knowledge. Yeah. I don't know what it was. Well, honestly, I, not that it's, it would uh, add. I, I do know they, you know, stabilized it with uh, C spine, like a, like a bone graft. Oh, bone got graft. some plates. Dang. So yeah, I'm fused together. So you did you go through a bunch of surgeries right there at the very beginning? One initial surgery in the beginning um, to stabilize the neck, and had a really cool opportunity about three years later to have another surgery and that's marks another you know drastic life-changing event what do you mean by opportunity okay you want do you want um we still in the front or do you want to jump to that my next little section here is just about the recovery just your your recovery from that point yeah. From that point on, you had, you know, you're getting out of ICU, you're back at the house, and what next? What's going on now? Like, what's that next maybe six months look like? What's next is, um, man, just having the support of an awesome family backing me that is looking for alternatives. There's got to be a way. There's got to be something we can do that can be better. I don't. You know, I'm 19 years old. I'm used to taking risks, riding bulls. I'm used to um, applying what it takes to be successful. And I want a shot to change my life, too. We, uh... I will say that I do remember, like, right then, the first times I started seeing you back at church, I remember your mom saying, like, ah, they don't know what they're talking about. Like, we're, we're going to get something done. We're going to get something, you know? It was a very, like, um, like a like a very cowboy-esque, like, approach to it. It was kind of like, pfft. I mean, we just got to work. You just got to keep going, you know? You just got to keep going forward. And I was like, remember thinking at that time that that mentality is going to go a really long way in the, you know? Because the people that support you, I mean... I guess they say that you're like you're the sum of like the 10 people, 10 closest people around you, you know? So if you have a support system that's all saying we're doing this thing, you know? Yeah. Um it's uh I'm considering you know, going through what I've been through so fortunate for yeah, my family, for those that have been around me through this and just a just a hope a hope greater than ourselves a hope in you know there is something better Mm -hmm. there's a there really is a creator and you're gonna learn about him through this story because there's no way i can be where i'm at today once we get to telling you what i can do now that there's not a god that you know created us human beings and created us to heal yeah yeah your body's getting in there and uh, let, okay, let's go to the next. So the you've got the so we're at this at this time in the story. You're like barely moving your left hand, pretty much. Right. So um, do you want to get to that next? Yeah. The next. Well, we got to throw in some shit before we. Oh get there. yeah, yeah. That winter, um, small intestines uh, shut down. Had a blockage. I had to go in. This is right at the start. Of, we were finding some therapy centers. Mm-hmm. And this happens, and I'm throwing up green stuff for three days. I get rushed into the hospital for what's called an emergency bypass surgery. What happened is I had lost so much internal body fat that that uh, one of the main arteries 
that your intestines go over the internal body fat had depleted and it had just pinched the intestine off so Whoa. by the time I finished up with that bypass surgery I was 76 pounds Whew. and pre-injury I was 120 so Dang. and I was a 5'5 five, five frame then and it looked like a concentration camp someone you know yeah so then to be at that weight trying to come off of that and your body's trying to live basically much less heal the spinal cord mm-hmm. it's uh it wasn't an easy start what we found and where we went once i got you know my health back after that well enough to go so we went out to california to a specialized spinal cord injury recovery center that had been working on this for years they get people out of their chairs and they help them do things that traditional therapy doesn't do we you get out and here's the gist of it is you basically try to move you roll over you get up on your elbows and knees you'll have if you can't you'll have two three people supporting you and they're just helping your body get in the natural positions think of it as like a baby healing what do they do crawl to walk how many times they fall down well now you're in a fragile state this is where you're at so you got three four people um just helping you do it yeah and you just do it and do it and repeat and repeat and eat healthy and it started making some changes i started gaining the use of my left hand better with adaptive devices after this much therapy i could get food up to my mouth um as long as it was you know cut up and so forth i didn't have any hand function function or motor skills any wrist support but i got my biceps going i got my shoulders going my right arm still was not functioning and i could get my head off the headrest and back those are changes that happened i could stay upright in my chair six seven hours a day i could actually go out for a coffee i could go out for a meal these are changes because of engrossing in that therapy and in health that happened by doing that and how long are you spending like in california at that time we lived out there for nine months lived out there yes so basically all of 2009 okay all of 2009 yeah and so how much of that was like were you were you of the mindset let's go let's just do whatever we need to do or was some of it was it hard to like to i mean get in the floor every day i was in the mindset of I have set high goals. I always did. And I was of the mindset, I'm going to walk back from California. I want to just knock this out. Was it hard getting in the floor? Yes. The first time they rolled me over onto my stomach and set weight up on my elbows. Neurological pain. Um, some people know, some people don't. I, it was excruciatingly painful in my shoulders. in the sensation that was starting to come back in them by just having weight mashing into my elbows instead of being padded and propped up. Yeah. So, no, it was not easy at all. It hurt. Dang. Yeah, it's almost like, uh, I know this is, would be a terrible comparison, but it's almost like your hands, whenever you, you're used to wearing gloves all the time and then you take your gloves off and it's like, all right, go for it. You know, you just have all these wear injuries. Well, and let's uh, say you're used to wearing gloves and you take them off and it's uh, 
20 degrees out now and you're going to do something with them. Let's throw that in there yeah. and the numbness that comes from that cold. Oh, yeah. That too. Yeah. So is that is that what it feels like when you start getting feeling back into something is it like pins and needles is that like the yes. is that the first most often yeah wow dude oh that is the worst too that is the worst i've started doing a little bit of like immersion therapy like for my hands and stuff for my feet just put it in an ice bucket and i'm such a baby about it man like it's one of those things i've been trying even like a cold shower or something like that it's just terrifying and i mean it's like it's momentary but for some reason man it's just the hardest thing to do uh but i'm a baby you know like i um it's it's inspiring to me whenever i see somebody that is forced into forced into a mode of living that it's like whenever i see it it's like man i feel like i'm a tough person but i don't know if i'm that tough you know i don't know it's similar for when my wife was pregnant and going through pregnancy and then like going into like child labor and all that stuff i was with i was with her the whole time i was i saw all of it and at the end of that event i was like i don't think i would i would not have been able to do (laughs) any of that i would have been able to do uh, any of that i'm lucky that i was born a guy because i'm way too much of a wuss to do something like that um so okay, so now yeah, props. Then, then a shout out to girls being tougher than us. Oh guys. yeah, dude, it's uh, it's an incredible thing. They, and then they have to deal with us guys. That's the other thing, you know. On top of that, they're psychological warriors too. Um, but so you you were out there for nine months out there in California, and then you came back here and just continued the same. Come back here and try to continue the same. Try to mimic it. Got some equipment put together. Um, and honestly just maintained my health nothing was really changing and yeah some depression kicks in because i was nowhere where i had hoped to be where i thought to be it didn't change like it should Mm. in my mind Mm -hmm. just turned 20 years old you know and but i had some good friends have a family and i i stayed going all right it uh some of it stunk but yet i was so much better off i wasn't neglecting that i was glad that i was Mm. better still and it honestly was not changing for it was just staying the same what my mom and my family found is uh we met with a man in Austin, Texas, Dr. Scott Spann, and we talked about using stem cells in my spinal cord because he had been doing it in joints. And they had been doing this with horses, equines, and having phenomenal results, you know, repairing things. And we put it together by January 2011 with my American doctor an American team of equipment to harvest my cells out of my hip bone marrow aspiration, separate out the concentrated down to bone marrow concentrate of stem cells. And we did that overseas because it wasn't allowed in the U.S. at that time. We went to Cyprus. And they opened up my neck, performed a laminectomy, and laid them stem cells in and around my injured spinal cord. 
and sewed me back up. So when you say laid them in, is it like a goop? Is it like a gel or like what? Well, what is the inject them? They just like right into the right, right into the, the onto the spinal cord. Okay, dang! Like it's a. I don't know if you've ever seen bone marrow, but it looks like dark blood. Yeah, uh, I, yeah, I've kind of seen it. Yeah, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> oh yeah, no, maybe pretty... not many people have seen bone marrow. But... Yeah, well, I, I I say kind of seen it. I mean, I've seen people pretty torn torn up, you know, and so I've seen bone marrow, but I've never necessarily seen it in like a clinical setting where it's been properly like aspirated out of the bone or something like that, you know. But um. Uh, so, okay, so now you got that done, and immediate results, uh, was that, uh, was that, like, uh, because you have to, at this point, be, I imagine, going... Three years post-injury. So, you're three years into this thing, I'm imagine, dude, I go, like, two days after being sick, and I'm like, I'm never getting better, you know? Two days, and I, I'm a wuss, like I said. But, so, you're three years into this thing, and you're saying that you're hitting kind of a little bit of a, of a plateau, you're not necessarily... So that's kind of going in your mind, and then it's like, so you're you're going Hail Marys. You're kind of saying, Let, let's get something going, just trying to figure something out, and then you stumble onto stem cells. Now, I imagine it sounds like it wasn't even legal in the United States. Do you know if you were the first person, like, in Texas to get this? How experimental was this? I was the first person with a U.S. doctor first U.S. citizen with a U.S. doctor Mm. to perform this specific procedure of applying stem cells in the neck at the spinal cord. Okay. They had been doing this, you know, in Russia and China, you know, with those doctors over there. But, yes, first combination of U.S. citizen and U.S. doctor to have this done. Okay. And since I opened up a door by that and there has been several follow me in that and go to cyprus and have that done we still cannot open up the spinal cord open up the injured site in the neck here in the u.s but what we can do texas legislative passed a bill in 2013 that we can inject interthecally that's into the lumbar region there's a sac at the bottom of the spinal cord contains spinal fluid we can eject our cells into that. Then they're free to flow all the way up and down spinal fluid in the uh-huh. spinal cord. Okay. We can do that here in the U.S. Okay. Have you had that done? I've had 10 stem ten. cell injections really? done. So we'll, we'll flash through some of those. But uh, I will say that uh, each one gets more painful, the bone marrow aspiration. Why? Because feeling is coming back. Those bone marrow aspirations actually hurt like a dog. Like, I'm awake when they do it. Yeah. Not not at Cyprus. They put me out there opening up my neck. And but uh, but yeah, these that I'm getting here in the U.S. I just roll over on the table. They hammer a needle into my hip. Literally. Yeah. You know. <laughs> and uh, oh, dude. that's the thing, man. The medical world is not for the squeamish, man. And, and then they draw out 60 cc's of bone marrow out of each hip. Now, sometimes, some of my earlier ones I did just 60, and some of my most recent ones, I'll pull out 60 out of each one, and that's a total of 120 cc's of bone marrow. And we concentrate that down to about 9 cc's of stem cells to utilize for injecting back in. Wow. 
dude, that's crazy. It is. So, um, it's an awesome opportunity. Yeah. So, I mean, how many people are getting this kind of stuff done? Um, they have a couple clinics set up in Austin called Benew Life, and and people are using cells. Like N U? No, B U N N E. Benew. If I didn't know, I swapped the U and the E. Okay. B E N N U. Okay. Benew. Okay. And they're kind of on the brink of stem cells and stem cell research. And, dude, there's people using stem cells for facials, women, to make their face look better and younger. Um, it's <laughs> That's pretty wild. <laughs> <laughs> so, much less, they're using them in joints, which is the mm-hmm. most common use. Mm-hmm. You're going to, you know, you tear up your knee, tear some MCL, ACL, you go have a surgery. Uh, inject some stem cells in there. Help it with the healing with the process. Surgery. It and heals so much faster, so much better with stem cells in there. You can even, if you tear up a rotator cuff slightly, if it's not like a super neat of a surgery, but it's not right, you can use stem cells and they're going to heal it without surgery. Mm. And it will be better than what it was before, honestly. Yeah. With a lot of people. It's definitely very exciting, uh, the whole realm of stem cells and, like, <clears throat> even imagining it for, uh, for like, a very – I mean, not even, I wouldn't even consider myself, like, an amateur athlete, but somebody who enjoys, like, running and doing different things. Um, it's exciting to me because I just, I just see it as a longevity tool. You know, like, my dad, I, I remember a, a large amount of his activity dropped whenever he lost his knee. You know, I I mean, he had a pretty, he had a tear and stuff. And then his shoulder as well that he had to have rotator surgery on. And I'm imagining myself in the similar situation. And now if I could get stem cell injections over a surgery and maybe it healed better, you know, that could have put a, that could put a lot of people on a different life trajectory, you know, and range of motion and just healing and everything. So that's pretty exciting. Okay. And so like. It's interesting that you said that you had to go overseas for the first time to get these stem cells. And uh, with all the controversy that is surrounding the stem cells, uh, would you like to clarify the where the controversy lies and how this is like... It's not even really applicable to the, to the way you're harvesting the stem cells. So. Yeah, a big... The big issue in getting laws passed through legislative is, you know, the specification of how it's getting used and where it's coming from. You know, you can't just say stem cells. That's a That covers a broad subject, and a lot of the confusion comes in from um, the use of embryonic stem cells or the use of matching stem cells from someone else, and it that's where you've had some hang-ups and some issues because the body will reject something that is not its self or a match and there's been some cases that it's not so good your own bone marrow your own stem cells getting harvested and injected back into a place where blood flow isn't as well the circulation isn't as well or healing needs to take place because bone marrow is one of the most replenishable sources in our body how is this legislation, I guess it's just patients fighting for it mostly, or is it doctors fighting for... Oh, it's going to be uh, it's gonna be your people that have the equipment to harvest it. It's going to be your doctors that want to use it. It's going to be in the patients, yeah. 
Well, and that's a, it is kind of an interesting thing because as soon as it becomes legal to do, then doctors can start doing it for people who really need the treatment. But then you also open up a whole new market. So like now these doctors are sitting on a technology that literally is not provided within a market. So it's hugely advantageous as far as like a profitable thing for them. Oh, yeah. But then you also have it healing people. I mean, really fixing big time problems. You Here's know? where you run into some conflict and things is, you, yeah, it's a, it opens up an avenue and a big door, but also it can prevent the need for some reconstructive surgeries. So it's going to replace oh. some things. That's interesting. The so, patient's got it really good on that end. Mm. Yeah, so it's... And it's probably... it It's a technology that's going to continually get cheaper and more accessible, right? We as hope. It, well, hopefully, as yeah. they advance and they develop and they actually do research and do development on the on it, it could become something that's a little... A little bit more available for the common man. Yeah, and what can they say that it is going to do? They can't because there's not enough back research, specifically regarding spinal cords. You can pull up um, studies and find proof that, yes, it's going to absolutely repair a joint or a shoulder, uh, uh, shoulder. And with the spinal cord, it's there's not you know, enough conclusive data to say if you have an injection you're gonna have this much better there's no way to say that right mm-hmm. now in future where we want to see it go is that the moment someone's injured when they have that stabilization surgery they put cells in there too cells are anti-inflammatory that you know fights against huge number of things and as well as reparative one of the best healing uh, properties the body has yeah that's interesting so what you're saying is right in the initial injury state, which, like in uh, emergency medical services, there's the term is called the golden hour. That with somebody that has a trauma in like a, a big trauma problem, you know, or a trauma accident, you want to get them in surgery within an hour because you get that trauma surgeon in there within an hour and he can do a lot of, he can fix a lot of stuff then that couldn't be fixed after the hour. So it's getting all of this so you're saying okay now you get them into the operating table in 30 minutes you get you start doing the stabilization stuff and then you hit them with some stem cells right then and it starts regenerating at the point of injury instantaneously instead of having your body has to recover get to a point where it can start repairing itself which i mean with with those big time injuries like that i mean how yes. long, you know? I mean, that's a long time for the body. It's hard on the body, the system. Which it is amazing that the human body can uh, come back or bounce back uh, from what is medically or scientifically deemed uh, impossible or catastrophic, you know? It is kind of, it is a testament to the, to the human spirit, you know, uh, that it can bounce back uh, like... As you have okay, next. So we're through the we're through the stem cells, um, and through this whole thing, through the stem cells, through all this, you're still doing physical therapy. You're still doing all the stuff that you learned in California. You're just adding more and more stuff, right? Yes. So as as I've been able to through the whole journey, I've been able to increase my time in therapy, increase the opportunities I have because. 
the better I get, the more endurance I've got, the more time I can spend in therapy. Just to paint a picture, you know, you're like, okay, you've done all those stem cells, well, where are you at today in comparison? Um, initially, after Cyprus, I could breathe better. My chest cavity worked better. I felt like my chest moved, where before I couldn't even tell it moved. That alone, that that was cool. Yeah. And uh, then I started getting a little movement coming in my right arm. It had not moved at all in close to three years. And it was little things like that. Um, my time upright that I was able to do was just better. Just being up in my chair out and about the just daily living started getting better. And was able to do a little better and got one of the injections when it first became you know available in Texas and learned some things the hard way from it I learned when you uh, have a when you puncture the spinal fluid with a needle I mean there's a chance for a little leakage or if you stay upright you're applying pressure down on that puncture it's you know if someone has a epidural or oh yeah you know something like that it's a similar thing and you can get a spinal headache well i figured that out the hard way oh, oh no Th- those things are miserable FYI. oh that it lasts i can't imagine days i can't imagine something called a spinal headache not being terrible like there's no way you know that sounds terrible it, it pounds in the head and blacks your vision out and makes you want to throw up oh god so, Oh, so now, okay, now having something like that as a possible side effect of the treatment, do you not even factor that in whenever you're going, you know, like, do you not even, do you think like, okay, last time I did this, I got a spinal headache that lasted for two days. Like, does that ever? Well, you try to learn from things. And since I've had as many injections as I've had and talk to people about it, there's some things you can do that are preventative. So education is really big on this. Yes. Um, You lay flat as soon as you can after you have this done. You ice it. And the more time you're flat instead of sitting upright, the less pressure is down there on that, the more likely it's going to heal up faster and seal, the less likely you'll have spinal headaches or the severe ones. Mm. Instead of if you just stay upright the rest of the day and go do something right you know by the time that night hits or the next morning it's like you feeling it yeah you feel you feel your activity in a slightly different way yeah. then so just knowing that and going into future ones um yeah i've i've had a couple other times where i've had that spinal headache hit the the value of three days of having that versus the change that changes you for life is so worth it and just knowing how to stay flat and icing it makes it so much better. And yeah. and I've had several injections where I don't even have but just a slight little headache the next day. Mm. Just about like a hangover. Yeah. Well, see, and that's, that's one of the things that's pretty, pretty interesting to me about <clears throat> the, it's like you, I, I, oftentimes I wonder like, okay, how, how can I help advance medical whatever like how can you help somebody right well you going through this stuff learning this stuff experiencing all of this 
you're like developing knowledge and experience that you can then pass on in an education like an education role right to other people who start having this so it's like a it's almost like a snowball effect like your pain and your misery it starts off as just being about you but as you go through it as you learn as you fight as you kind of like gain more it becomes about a lot of other people because now the doctors are learning mm-hmm. the doctors learn from you um, you said you have a, a WTPT student that works with you? Yes. I've uh, been able to, through a professor at WT, or just finding students that are, you know, they're undergrad at WT, and they're interested in becoming a physical therapist or occupational therapist. You know, that's a next level of school after WT, but these students are interested in that field, and I, after spending so much time in Austin they've got the same type of uh, spinal cord injury recovery program down there as what I went to in California and as well as you know my team that I get stem cell injections from are down there my doctors therapists um, I go down there I've received so much hands-on therapy and they send me home like kind of a trainer trainer program that I'm able to take a student and take them to Austin with me a couple days, work hands-on with them, and just go from there and be able to accomplish my therapy I need here at the house. And so, yeah, I've got a student coming in today at 3, yeah, and we're going to work together for four hours in my gym and therapy, and that's something that's I've been working up towards since getting stem cell injections done. You know, you start out only a couple hours of therapy, and that's a lot, and you know, I can get up to four or five, and I'm just out of my chair the entire time trying to move. That's basically how to sum it up. Uh, you know, after that first injection when I had the headache um, back here in the States, I ran into kind of a financial block of being able to continue with therapy. I hit another plateau in life. It, uh, I wasn't going anywhere, and... With the start of with the start of an event that I had dreamt up working on, I always wanted to host a PBR event, and so I was working towards that in progress. And in 2014, I hosted a bull riding to raise funds, and after that, I was able to, with the help of some great friends, the event and some other things. I was able to go back to Austin in April of 2015 and start on stem cell injections again. And I've been doing them since, you know, every three, four months. So it's been an incredible opportunity with that. And uh, let's just throw it out there, paint a picture of, you know, it stops after getting an injection after like six months to a year, the change stopped. So it was kind of proof that the stem cells did it. Because typically they're going to say three years out of a spinal cord injury, there is nothing you're going to get back. Well, we're proving that wrong with stem cells. Because I have experienced more change in recovery in the last three years of my injury, and I've been injured for a total of 10, than if you put them all together. So what's changed since 2015? I can lean forward up off the backrest of my chair and back. Mm -hmm. I've got the core strength. Um, oh yeah, you're wiggling all over the place, man. I can like, roll myself around in a manual chair on level surfaces. Yeah, I can 
eat things with my hands. I can pick up my phone, pick up a water bottle. Uh, got some dexterity. I had some sensation come down all the way into the palms of my hands and thumbs. Starts out very painful, and then now, shoot, I can feel hot and cold textures. The only way that stuff can happen is neurological mm-hmm. healing. Um, just this year, on my knees and hands, I can do some cats and dogs. That's some massive change in core strength to yeah. be able to do that. And that's just this year that I could actually pick my back up into the cat. Yeah, you were showing me some videos of that right before we started. And uh, honestly, it, it looked like the doing the cat-cow, if people don't know, it's a yoga pose. And you were actually getting more movement, I feel like, out of your back than I get out of my back when I try to do a similar like thing. Like I was like looking at it, I was like, damn, dude, you actually... Like, you were getting, like, a lot more cuppage, you know, a lot more bend in your back than, than even, like, whenever I do that, I don't feel like I move at all. I'm like, uh, you know, they're like, no, no, you got to bend your back. And I'm like, I'm trying, you know. But, yeah, oh, you, were, you were throwing it down. And um, I, I have a video on my Instagram right now that I took of your workout room. But you got a full-blown home gym that, um, I mean, four hours a day, that's more than – most people work out, you know, and right. you're, you're putting it in every day and working hard. And, uh, you were showing me some of the different, uh, some of the different equipment, which it is really cool to see the marriage of like biological understanding, understanding the anatomy, understanding the, the hardware that you're dealing with, you know, but then it's also matching it with the software, which is you controlling it, which is the nervous system and everything. And how you would you call it earlier uh, when you're getting up off the table? Called it like, or you said you were sitting on the table. It's neurological recruitment or something. What'd you call that? Yeah, I'm using. I'm gonna describe it as active nervous system recruitment. Active nervous system recruitment. Yeah. Um, I'm actively recruiting through that. Yeah. Trying to simulate what what my body, what I'm having help positioning my body into yeah so you're like visualizing your body into a certain position yes and so it's kind of cool because it's marrying the hardware with the software in a very i don't think most people and this is kind of strange to to think of it this way but i don't think most people are are as in touch with their body as you are you know most people don't think about their body no most people don't like you don't have to you you sit up out of a chair and take off walking and it's easy and I have to think about everything I do. Yeah, it's I was a professional athlete and rode bulls and I have to think a lot harder to sit up off the back of my chair or lean forward or to do that work in the floor doing the cat cow than than what I had to to you know, be an Perform. athlete, ride a bull. Yeah. Which it is crazy, like a lot of that at least for me, and I've never been as elite athlete or in like elite competition, um, but it, the competitions I have been in and the athletic things that I have done, sometimes it seems like you get in a flow and you almost turn off your brain. Like your body's almost running on like an autopilot, you know, a pre-pilot, you know? Yeah. So it is interesting because it's, it's an interesting jump because you went from instinctual, natural like flow state shutting off your brain and letting your body do what your body does to now it's almost the opposite to where you you concentrate harder and you focus harder and you pay attention more 
yeah. you know, to your body movements and everything. That's a that's a something I never really thought of in con- in conjunction. You know, what's awesome to look at it this way is that I've got an injured spot in my neck that it's it's shorted out and it's not letting stuff pass through like it needs to, and it's getting better and better every day. You know, since being injured that more signals are able to come through because what happens is your cerebral cortex receives information from your sensory receptors all over your body. My sensory receptors all over my body, they work. They feel. I've just got a spot there that's blocking it, getting it through to my brain. As I've progressed and healed with stem cells and therapy, more and more of those signals are getting through. And then the other way, controlling motor function, the cerebral cortex sends those signals down from your brain to your body to flex a muscle to control your motor skills more and more of those signals are getting through and it's a constant work of connecting brain and body because there's one little spot that's blocked like smaller than the size of a thumbnail and it's just repetitive day day trying to create that connection wow yeah that's crazy man the 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 human body is a pretty like like when you really start looking at it and you go smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller, it almost increases in complexity, it seems like, you know? So to where to where if you think about it, it's like a it's like a car. You got this big old car and you've got all this uh, high level engineering and fluids and everything, but if you take the battery cable off, nothing works. <laughs> you know? It's kind of a similar similar situation, you know. It comes down I often think of that with my baby. I'll be looking at him and, you know, so much is dependent upon uh, an airway the size of my pinky not being precluded, right? His life continues as long as a little bitty airway is not precluded, you know? It's just, as a parent, it's like terrifying because every time I look at him, I'm like, that's big enough for him to choke on. That's big enough for him to, you know, it's terrifying. It's like so much can go wrong with such a little bitty thing it's such it's such yeah. a small in comparison you know um we're at 56 minutes so let's jump into um what are what are your names on instagram and facebook or like how can people follow you or get in touch with you uh it's coben puckett on facebook coben underscore puckett on instagram definitely check those out and you do all you on on your instagram you're you're posting pictures of your recovery and uh anytime you go out of town and a lot of the stuff that you're doing like uh your exercises and stuff right yes it's a shoot it's a glimpse into my life what i do just i'm gonna put a little bit of everything on there largely what you see what i do is pursue therapy that's a big part of my job also in conjunction with yeah, that's the other thing you were saying is the your bull riding event. Yes. You're on the phone, you're trying to put this event together, so it's like which I've I've done I've like tried to put a couple of events together and it's just it's stressful, it's hard work. I mean, it's hard work putting all that, getting all the everybody lined up and talking to the right people and that's a job in itself. Oh yeah. So this year will be the 5th annual Coben Puckett Invitational PBR and that's at the Will Rogers Range Riders off the South Loop in Washington Street. And it has some of the top athletes in the world coming to it, PBR, and it raises funds for people pursuing recovery from a spinal cord injury. It scholarships myself and others for that therapy in Austin. 
and it's it's an awesome event. You can follow it on Facebook, CobanPucketInvitational.com. You can look up its website, which is also combined my website, just to keep it simple, CobanPucket.com. That's K-O-B-E-N, Pucket, P-U-C-K-E-T-T.com. And you can see uh, kind of a summary of my story, a video. You can see lots of progress and changes. Something I didn't even mention on here is I work towards starting to stand in a walker with assistance. It took uh, two people to get me in a standing position in 2015, and they had to hold my hips and knees the entire time. I am all the way to the point today that one person helps me stand. I can't stand up in the walker on my own, but once I am standing, I can, for a short period of time, keep my hips forward, keep well, my you, glutes you say, flexed enough. You say to keep short them period of time. You're talking ten minutes at a time, right? <laughs> well, with the assistance, yes. Yeah. And then sit down and take a break. The, the the actual period of time that I am standing with only the walker's help, where I'm keeping my own knees locked, my own hips forward, it's you know more in like the minute range. And then I've gotta have a spot, regroup, try again. Kind of get get reposition kind of it's uh it's very difficult it's one of the hard things that i try to do yeah i mean that's incredible i mean <clears throat> to be standing is in itself just for yes any length of time at all just yes. to get into that position is an incredible feat but now you're starting to push it so it's like it's kind of cool because it seems like uh most uh it sounds like most of your physical therapy is <clears throat> trying to learn to do a movement just a movement and then once you learn to do the movement, then it's like, okay, now I'm going to work at like work out that movement, this new thing. So you're constantly – like you have to constantly be pushing yourself into doing new things. Yes. And then when, once you get to doing a new thing, then you have to push yourself at doing it. Like it's, it's kind of a that's – a, that's a inspiring – I mean I, it's similar for other people. Um, I feel like, you know, like you have to – First, you have to learn how to do something. Then you have to push yourself at doing that to to get better at anything. Um, but it's just to me, it'd be it'd be hard almost to imagine. It's like you have to start imagining, uh, like doing a cat call a, a cat and a cow, dude. There's like ninety five percent of Amarillo who've never done a cat and a cat. You know, they've never even gotten in a position and tried to do that movement. You know, so being uh, imaginative enough to say this is how I'm going to push myself this is the different movements I'm going to try to learn like yeah. that's that's cool and it's definitely worth following along on Instagram and Facebook and seeing all these things it's an inspiration to me I know whenever I see those things pop up it uh, pushes me in my daily life to be like you know don't don't be a wuss you know get up and do something cuz other people are getting up and doing stuff you know everybody should be pushing themselves to to the be their best version of themselves you know so it is definitely inspiring to see um i will put a link in the description of the show notes uh, i'll put a link to your website and maybe put a link to where they can buy tickets are you already selling tickets for this thing it will be available within a couple days i'm getting that and are, up, are you and that selling will be on the website uh under tickets under the event website that copenpucket.com in advance there'll be 1750 the event is saturday august 4th saturday august 4th yeah okay saturday august 4th and there'll be 20 bucks at the gate at the event okay 
And are you selling any like tables or booths or anything like that? Or you know how people like kind of upsell for events? Have you ever? Yes. Uh, I have not grown to that level of having a lot of vendors yet. There's mm-hmm. just a few that come. If you're interested in that, give me a shout. You can contact me through any one of those social media ways or the website has a email contact page. That would be the best. If you're interested in supporting this event, being a sponsor, definitely contact me through the event page. And if anything else, go look at it and come out and enjoy it that yeah, Saturday. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that's super cool is you're sharing. Like, the event is a fun event. Like, that's, like, the, the coolest part about the whole thing is people are getting more of a value for their money, you know, than... Then it's just like, hey, sometimes people just want donations. But with this, you're getting a pretty large value. Yeah, so, you're going to get to watch a pretty awesome production. Yeah. There'll be fireworks and you name it. Some yeah, of the and best it's exciting, man, seeing people. Yeah, uh, and you said your mom was a barrel racer. I love watching barrel racing, <laughs> man. Up, that is yeah. exciting, man. Um, so, and this is, mo- is this just This uh, is just, just bull riding. bull riding. This is just going to be a bull all riding. That's it is. Nice. And then... Uh, There'll be a spot where we'll take a break and auction off a few select items, like some World Finals tickets. And uh, Glaramy Marchi, one of the very famous riders on the tour, he completed last year his 600th career ride on the Built Ford Tough Tours. He autographed his glove and sent it to me, and we'll auction that off. At the oh, end. nice. So you'll have some pretty cool stuff to look through at that. Just yeah. Few, like pretty select items that have to do with bull riding cool well all right well uh like i said look at look down in the uh in the comments i'll try to get the link to instagram facebook your website the event i'll i'll try to put all those links down there in the bottom and uh, get all that going so well and honestly dude we're at an hour and four minutes i don't think we covered everything but uh, you're a short drive away, so I'm sure I'll have you on the podcast again soon. So uh, with that, um, thank you for coming on the podcast. And uh, till next time, everybody, peace.